This is Method Not Magic, the college admission and test preparation podcast. Hi, this is Nitin Sani, Managing Director of Tutoring at Mark's Education, and I'm here to talk to Anthony Gelino, Director of our Washington, D.C. office, about the AP Calculus exam in 2021, how it's different from last year's exam in the years past, and how to prep for it. So, Anthony, how are you today? Doing pretty well, Nathan. Happy to be here. Good. All right. So let's get started. How are the exams in 2021 different from last year's or the exams pre-pandemic? Well, this year we have uh, three administrations of the AP Calculus exams. Uh, Two of them will be on paper on May 4th and May 24th. And one will be available digitally at school locations on June 9th. So schools will decide which one they'll administer uh, and all three dates will be for both AB and BC calculus. None of the tests will look like the 2020 version, which was only digital and very short and allowed students to upload photos of their work. Uh, the paper versions this year will be just like the 2019 AP calculus exams and, and much like the ones before that, sort of traditional two multiple choice sections, one with calculator and one without, uh, followed by six free response questions, two which are calculator allowed. The digital version will vary a little bit from the paper version in that students will be using an app with a keyboard that makes mathematical symbols easy to type. Uh, uh, All questions in the traditional no calculator section are going to be constructed so that the use of a calculator won't be helpful. And as with all digital APs this year, students will not be able to go back and forth within a section. So, Anthony, if your student had a choice, would you recommend to take the paper test or the digital test? It's a great question. So um, if they had a choice, I would recommend the paper test. I think that um, having to struggle to figure out the app, even if it's very user-friendly, is a concern that students won't want to have. But more importantly, the ability to go back and forth to return to questions um, is is kind of important on a test like this. You have a lot of time. And so uh, being able to skip a question and return later um, could be a huge strategy that the the digital test takers won't have. But unfortunately, it's the schools that are making that decision. Right. I can see that. And that's what I would recommend as well. Um, Some schools are making intelligent decisions like having some APs be digital and others on paper, which is really good. For instance, for the AP Calc, I would very much want to have a paper-based test. Um, so what's, what distinguishes the AB calculus exam from the BC exam? Well, the, the formats are the same, and actually many of the questions are the same. Uh, but the BC exam includes about like four months' work, uh, worth of curriculum that doesn't come up in AB. Uh, methods of integrating, like integrating by parts and partial fraction decomposition, and questions involving parametric and polar forms of functions um, – and a, a large unit on series uh, are all on the BC exam and not on the AB exam. Right. So if people haven't taken the BC class, they might want to take a baseline test to see if they can uh, take the BC exam. Yeah. And if they've studied some of the BC topics, it, it might be helpful uh, to to do part of a test or, or, or certainly um, – check out uh, what the what the BC material questions look like. But you can't switch 
at this point, right? If you're signed up for the AB, you have to take the AB. If you're signed up for the BC, you have to take the BC, or can you switch exams at this point? At this point, you can't switch exams. They're, they're already ordered. Um, however, uh, the student is probably taking the exam for the class they're taking. If they're not taking a class, that, that's, that's when the decision uh, is important. So when should a student begin preparing for an AP calculus exam, and what does that look like? So, um, you know, unlike tests like the SAT or the ACT, uh, a baseline test is kind of less valuable for AP calculus. I mean, you can do one. We talked about that already to see where your strengths and weaknesses are. Um, uh, but, you know, since final scores are out of five, uh, it's it's hard to know what to make of a score on a baseline, especially since you need to have an objective grader score up your free response questions. Uh, a lot of AP calculus classes finish up the curriculum in mid-April. Uh, and review for a couple of weeks. Though many teachers, I think that's going to especially be true this year, find themselves reviewing old stuff in late April while also rushing to finish the last few topics. Uh, That's another reason that baselines are a little bit less useful. You should probably start preparing for the AP um, a month or a month and a half before taking it, and it's unlikely that you've learned everything by then. Um, So if it's clear that a teacher isn't going to get to all the topics, you'll even want to start preparing earlier than that so that you can assess if you need to self-teach a little bit. The the published exams from 2003 and 2008 and 2012 are great resources for multiple choice problems, um, even if the format's slightly different now. Um, All the old free response questions from every test, not just those years, are also available online. Um, You can find scoring rubrics for those, which will help you understand where points are easily lost. So that's where preparation should begin with uh, with looking at some tests. Wonderful. That's really great advice. Are there review books that you might recommend or would you recommend that people just do uh, work from the AP resources on the AP website? So the the resources and even published um, responses to the free response question, specifically from the last maybe six to eight years, um, are very useful. But on the on the AP website, on the College Board website, the AP Classroom feature is great. It's got um, short videos or instructional videos on topics um, and a database of topic-specific questions to practice with. But beyond that, yeah, there, there's no scarcity of books with lessons and questions that mostly mimic the published APs anyway. Um, and and they don't even have to be, you know, big fat books that teach you all the topics. If you've been in a class, you really just need some review questions and, um, uh, you know, a, a thin book or a manual might, might do quite well. And what makes the AP calculus exam different from a test someone might take for class or even the SAT or the ACT? Yeah, so the AP Calculus exam is quite long, um, uh, uh, but there are far fewer total questions than other three-plus-hour tests like the SAT and the ACT. There's technically only 51 questions, uh, and only six of those are long-form questions with multiple steps. You have, on average, two to three minutes to answer each multiple-choice question. So on those, you can often try uh, doing a problem two different ways to make sure you get the same answer both ways. It's pretty unlikely that you'd come up with the same wrong answer doing a problem two different ways. So you'd end up uh, certain that your answer is correct. Uh, or if you do have a discrepancy, you, you know to go looking for a mistake in one of your methods. You can utilize a lot of the traditional secondary answering methods like back solving the choices or plugging in numbers for variables 
but also calculus has um, uh, topics that are frequently both algebraic and graphic in how you think about them. So um, uh, a lot of times a smart sketch um, is another good alternative method. And one other thing about this, the, 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 in the multiple choice, the wrong answer choices are carefully selected by the question writers to reflect the common errors that students make. So you, you have time to examine those wrong answer choices and you let them speak to you. If you know why a wrong answer choice is there, you probably understand the problem better. And you might even realize that you've fallen into a trap yourself and you picked one of the wrong answers. The, the, the thing about these exams, uh, you can get like, you can miss 30% of the points and still get a five, uh, sometimes even more than that. Um, so this means you can focus your attention differently and, and, and do very well, uh, even if you haven't covered a topic here or there. Uh, on the paper version this year, uh, because of what I've just spoken about, it's it's strategically smart to skip a question that doesn't automatically seem easy to you with the intention of returning to it either at the end of the page or the end of the section. Uh, this way you can look at it a little later with fresh eyes and not ruminate on it and stress yourself out. Now, unfortunately, you have to be careful. You, you can't use that strategy on the digital version because, as, as we said earlier, you're not able to move back and forth in the test. And that's really the biggest downfall uh, or biggest uh, uh, deficiency in the digital version. Wonderful. That was an excellent summary of a great strategy for the test. So I'm going to summarize what I think you said. Take your time on the questions you know and verify that you had them correct by doing them a second way and going through all the answer choices to make sure that you didn't fall into one of the traps laid by the answer choices. On the paper version, it's okay to come back to certain questions if you're not sure or skip questions that are on topics that you may not have covered as well to make sure that you get all the questions right on the topics that you know, because you can get up to 30% wrong and still get a five. It's, it's vital that you get questions correct on the topics that you know very well, right? On the digital version, of course, you can yeah. skip on But if there's a topic that you don't know, just guess and find the ones you know and spend longer on those and verify that those are correct. Exactly. Wonderful. So, um, are there parts of the curriculum itself that are more important than other parts? Well, so for the AB exam, uh, you're going to want to nail down uh, the, the the big five, all right? Limits, derivatives, integration, applications of derivatives, and applications of integration. Uh, of those five, you could probably get away with not reviewing much of the early limits and continuity stuff because those will come up generally just in a few multiple choice questions and not on the free responses. Um, but you can still do well on the test if you haven't worked a lot on differential equations and, and slope fields. Um, the BC exam is the same with regard to the big five. You want to know those. Um, you'll also want to make sure you've covered much of the curriculum on series like Taylor polynomials and uh, tests for convergence. If you haven't gotten that deep into polar and parametric form for the BC, that might be okay. Uh, but in general, you want to know the big five plus series. That's such a great summary. The big five plus series. <laughs> um, and so what about the exam itself? Does it make sense to focus on the multiple choice part, the free response part? If you have, um, if you want to focus on one part and if you have the paper version so you can do one part first, should you do the free response part first, the multiple choice part first, where should you focus? 
Right. Well, so on the on the paper version, you you can't um, uh, choose which sections you do when. You do have to do multiple choice first, um, and it'll be multiple choice, no calculator, um, which is a, a larger uh, section, and then multiple choice with calculator, followed by free response with calculator and free response without. Um, but in terms of like your study, if you want to focus on one question type. Um, uh, well, want to is one thing, but if you have to, because you have limited time to study, it can work out. Okay. There's, uh, there's a very forgiving scaling as we've already talked about. So students with limited time, uh, can focus on one question type and still do pretty well. Uh, but you'd really want to master that one type, you know, either you, you know how to leverage all the choices on multiple choice questions so that you can get nearly all of them right, or become such a student of the point allocations on the typical free response questions that you can maximize those. Of course, you know, great knowledge on one is going to have residual benefits on the other. But still, if you have the time, you, you should study for both parts. Right. That would make sense. If a student doesn't have access to a tutor, and I think we talked about this a little bit earlier, what kinds of materials are best to use for self-study? Yeah. So, you know, we did we talked about um, the tests that are that are out there, the full tests. Um, I mentioned the the fact that free response questions are available from every test, not just from the the, the three commonly published tests. Um, it, it is definitely useful to find those, find answer explanations on those, because that really gets into uh, the thought process of somebody who knows what they're doing on those types of questions and kind of gives you insights into how to utilize um not just free response questions, but how to think about even the multiple choice problems. Um, and then, yeah, that College Board website has um, amazing stuff, like I talked about, videos and and questions as well. Last question. Why do we love calculus so much? It's supposed to be so hard. But you and I and most math teachers would rather teach calculus than any other class. As often as it happens, math teachers still kind of cringe when students ask that fun question, right? The, when will I ever use this stuff question? Good teachers have good answers for that question in every discipline, but it can be kind of hard to justify learning things like uh, congruence proofs in geometry or, or trig equations in pre-calculus class. I still have some good answers for those, but but um, it can be a little harder to justify. Uh, calculus applications are evident, though. It's, 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 it's absolutely obvious that you can use it. Uh, as soon as you learn the basics. And the excitement of displaying that comes through in class. You might find yourself working on a, a question involving the spread of a disease or the growth of a population, or you'll be involved in a geological survey mapping the volume of an underground cave, or you'll be discussing environmental concern like the increasing size of an oil spill um, and how it could be best mitigated. A any arena where rates of change or accumulation occur can be explored with calculus. So there's just so much fun stuff to talk about. Right. Yeah, yeah. I I love tutoring calculus uh, for that reason. I can't say that I don't also enjoy AP statistics, but I do enjoy AP calculus. Well, it's been really fun talking to you, Anthony. And uh, thank you very much for taking the time. And everyone, if you have any questions about the podcast or about AP calculus, feel free to reach out to us at marxeducation.com. M-A-R-K-S education.com. Thank you.